And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby we are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Let us pray. Our Father, we are here tonight. Help us to recognize your presence. We know you're here because you said we're two or three gathered together in your name, you'd be there. And so we know there's more than three here together in your name. And we know you're here. And if we don't recognize it, then it's because we're somewhere else. We may be here in body, but we may be here somewhere else in our thinking. So God bring us here in our thinking that we might recognize your presence. We confess our sins of lust and of pride, evil thinking, rebellion, stubbornness, or anything else. And pray that you'll cleanse us and purge us that there may be nothing between us and you. You said that your hand is not shortened, that it cannot see, your ear is not deaf, that it cannot hear. But our sins are separated between us and you. Oh God, we don't want you to be separated from us. We don't really worship you tonight. Pray for everybody in this building and around it. We pray, Heavenly Father, tonight that you bless every pastor with their various problems. Bless every church. May these series of services do what the pastor wants done to them. And we pray, Heavenly Father, you'll revive those of us that are saved and that you'll save the lost. Take thy servant and loose his tongue and illuminate his mind. Give us holy unction. When it's ready to leave, we pray we may leave conscious that God has dealt with us tonight. For Jesus' sake, amen. I want to think with you tonight on the five wounds of the Holy Spirit. More than that, of course, but I want to think of five of them. Jesus said they shall look on me whom they pierced, and that meant his side and his hands and his feet. They pierced his feet, they pierced his hands, they pierced his side, and that's five wounded places. Of course, they pulled his beard out. They burst his lips where they beat him in the mouth with a gravel stone. And they cut his back into shreds of flesh with a lash. His head was beaten and bruised. There's many wounded places on Jesus. Matter of fact, his whole body 
was wounded. And, and But he said, they shall look on me whom they pierced. And I think he was talking about his feet and hands and and side. Of course, he could have rent his brow too. The thorns pierced his brow. So I want to speak as a follow-up of the message that Brother Charles has just preached uh, on the five wounds of the Holy Spirit. And there's many more wounds of the Holy Spirit, I'm sure. And then Judge Presley uh, talked about the Word of God. Hadn't been the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have any Word of God. He's one that in, uh, moved on those men that wrote the Word of God down for us. I believe he moved on every word that was written. And that's why it's dangerous to mess with the Word of God. You're messing with what the Holy Spirit done. And to charge it to anything else is dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. And uh, first thing we, I want you to realize he said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And in order to understand what I'm saying, I want you to realize, first of all, a couple of scriptures which will help you to understand what we're going to say in the 16th verse of the third chapter of 1 Corinthians. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. And also in the sixth chapter of First Corinthians. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you're not your own. But we have brought all price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. First of all, I want us to realize Thy body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Now Jesus said, if I go away, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And our bodies is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. For as I can find in the light of the scripture, the Holy Spirit isn't floating around out here in space. And uh, he's dwelling in human bodies. That's what Jesus said. If he went away, he'd send him in and he'll dwell in us. And he's dwelling in your body and my body. That's the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And in the 10th chapter of John, I mean the beginning part of the 7th chapter of John, he said, out of these shall flow rivers of living water referring to the Holy Spirit said who it hadn't yet been given and we find out that the Holy Spirit today lives in us in your body, in my body of saved people so you don't have to run around here hunting for him why we got a lot of folks running around hunting the Holy Spirit and trying to get the Holy Spirit to come in and dwell in them now, if you go out hunting the Holy Spirit and say, I've got to have the Holy Ghost, well, you'll get a ghost, but it won't be the Holy Spirit. We've got a lot of folks running around saying, I'm seeking the Holy Ghost, I'm hunting the Holy Ghost. Well, you go to hunting him, and you'll find your ghost, but it won't be the Holy Spirit. 
He don't come that way. He's not in space. He's not floating around. He's not out there in the field or in the woods or anywhere else. The Holy Spirit moves in when you just say He inhabits your body. He lives in you. And as a result, that's His dwelling place. That's where He stays. He's in my body. He's in your body. And you become responsible. And He said, Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And we ought to treat him that respect. He lives in you. You don't have to pray for him to come in. If you've been saved, it's a useless prayer. You're wasting your breath and you're praying wrong. Because he isn't coming in. If anything comes in, you may have some great experience of some kind and throw a fit and all that, but it wasn't the Holy Ghost. It will never fit you through. Now, when the Holy Ghost comes in, it's when you get saved. And then he'll live in there. You don't have to pray for him to come in. You can pray for him to take control of you and, and give you power and do things. But my friends, you don't have to pray for him to come from somewhere and get in you because he's already in there. Keep that in mind as we go through this message tonight. Because you need to keep that in mind. Now he said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He's the one that convicted of sin and righteousness and the judgment to come. He's the one that led you to Jesus. He's the one that helped you to come to Jesus. He tells us that he was the one that so enlightened us and brought us that we could taste the good word of God and taste the heavenly gift. And he's the one that helped you to get to Jesus Christ. Not all of that. He's the one that sealed you to the day of redemption. When Jesus saved you, then he sealed you to the day of redemption. He sealed your soul up. And your soul can't spoil it. It's sealed forever. And the devil can't get it, and you can't get it, and nobody else can't get it. It's sealed up. And he did it. And so as a result... He said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. He's your guide. He's the one that helps you to, uh, with your prayers that you can't even mutter a lot of times. You're groan, and he takes your groans and makes them known to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is our helper in so many different ways. And he is important in your life and mine. And don't cheat him by going out and having some kind of religious experience that he doesn't have anything to do with and calling it the Holy Ghost. My friends, I want you to recognize that. I wish I had time to preach a sermon on it, but I hadn't got that tonight. The grief, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? First of all, doing anything that's contrary to the will of God grieves the Holy Spirit. Anytime you do things contrary to the will of God in your life, anytime I do anything contrary to the will of God in my life, it's a grief to the Holy Spirit because he's trying to get you to do God's will. He leads you to do God's will. He moves on you to do God's will. And when you don't do God's will, it's a grief to him. It hurts him. In other words, if you were insisting that somebody do certain things for you, and you wouldn't, wouldn't it hurt your feelings? Wouldn't it grieve you that they wouldn't listen to you? Well, when the Holy Spirit 
moves upon you, works on you, and tries to get you to do things for God, and you long to it, then it's a grief to him. And we start to realize that. And as a result, then sometimes we grieve the Holy Spirit by going places he don't want to go. If somebody carried you somewhere you didn't want to go, wouldn't it grieve you, just hog-tied you, and carried you somewhere and you didn't even want to go there? Well, when you go places the Holy Ghost don't want to go, and you carry me in the house of grief to him, I want you to know that. You say, well, preacher, I didn't carry him. What you do with him while he's gone? <laughs> Take him out and put him on and say, stay out till I get back. You did what they care you while you're gone. Now face the truth. If you go somewhere he don't want to go, then he has to go too. And it grieves the whole state for you to be going places he don't want to go. And then it grieves the whole state for you being doing things he don't want to do. And so when you're indulging in things he don't want to do, like dancing and gambling and things like that. He don't want to do that. And it grieves him to think he, he has to stay in you while you do things like that. Go to gambling dens and nightclubs and roadhouses and cesspools of sin and indulge in things like that. It grieves him have to be abashed by being in your house while you go to places like that. That's a grief to the Holy Spirit. If he's good enough to live and dwell in you, you ought to respect him enough to give him a decent place to live in. That's what I'm saying. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And then at the same time, a lot of folks grieve him by what they make him look at. He don't want to look at a lot of things you look at. A lot of old fifth, fifth, fifth literature he don't want to look at a lot of that junk you make him look at. You say, well, I don't make him look at how he's going to look through you. I've seen it. You're looking at him. A lot of this old stuff that comes on the television. You say, well, I, a lot of good stuff comes on television. I didn't say it then. But who wants to call for a mile and a half of sewage get one clean bite of biscuit when you get there? Friends, you ought to consider the Holy Spirit is living and He's living that and He's looking out those windows that you're looking out at. You ought to consider Him and not make Him look at a bunch of filthy literature, old sexy magazines, and old uh, true confessions, and a bunch of cheap literature, and all that stuff. It grieves the Holy Spirit for Christians to spend their time. And the dust may be accumulating on the word of God. While you spend your time looking at a bunch of cheap, nasty literature and looking at cheap stuff on the television and so on, soap operas and whatnot, while you could be looking at the glorious things of God's word. It grieves the Holy Spirit. It's an awful grief to him. He's living in there. And you ought to give him something to look at that glorifies God. And as a result, he's seen things he didn't want to see. 
And my friends, a lot of times you keep him out of church when he wants to go. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a man of some is. Gather the men. Now he said this in the book. He wrote the Bible, and so he said it. Gather the men, Deuteronomy 31, 12. Gather the men and the women and the children. It'd be fine if he stopped that, but he didn't stop that. He said, Gather the men and the women and the children and the strangers that's in, within thy house, that they may hear the word of God and learn to do the things of God. And then he said, To obey is better than sacrifice, stubbornness is, and is worse than witchcraft and idolatry. And so when you get to, you're not rebelling on the preacher, you're rebelling on the Holy Spirit and rebelling on God. He said you're worse off than a bunch of witches and and idolaters. That's what he said. Oh, I know who's preaching book. I ain't got no sense in do it, see. And we got a lot of Baptists worse than witches and idolaters because they're not listening to what God said about going to church. He said, upon the first day of the week, let everybody lay by in stores. Going as God's prospect. And they don't do it. They rebel. They don't mind the Holy Spirit. They don't listen to what he said. And so as a result, it's a grief to the Holy Spirit of God. And he's grieving him. And not all of that. Then my friends, something else. He wants to go to church and they won't let him go. They go to the beaches and they go to the mountains and they go that and go to the other places and they won't let him go to the house of God. And then keeping things in their hearts that he don't want to live in that way. How would you have to live in a room with a skunk or pocket locked up in that with you? And he fumigates when he takes a motion. <laughs> How would you like that? You say, oh, preacher, I wouldn't like that. Well, if he's locked in that room, he'd have to like it. Well, when you, the Holy Spirit's in your heart and he has to stay in there because that's his living place and dwelling place, God put him in there and he stays in there. Because when Jesus left, he sent the Holy Spirit, and I challenge you to show me the Word of God where the Holy Spirit lives anywhere today except in human hearts. I dare you to show me any place else in the Bible. It's not in there. You may argue it, but you can't show it to me in the Word. He's living in your heart. And then your heart is full of jealousy, which is a stink to him, unforgiveness, hurt feelings, malice, all kind of selfishness, which is a stink, and you're all the time having those uh, temper fits and hating and all that stuff, which is like an old skunk fumigating, smothering the Holy Spirit in that heart of yours with all that stuff. How you think he feels with all that stuff are spurting out in your heart? If he thinks enough of you to live in your heart, you ought to think enough of him to give him a clean heart to live in. That's what I'm saying. And my friends, God help you to realize this is, the, this is the house of the Holy Spirit of God. And he dwells in you. And he can't get out. 
and you ought to give him a clean place to live. We ought to respect him that much. And then at the same time, the whole spirit has to live in the... How would you like to live in a house with a weather burden and the ceiling tore off about four, four foot high? Nothing but the framework standing there. Everybody coming along seeing what you're eating and sleeping and what you're doing. Huh? Well, that's the way a lot of you go around with your weather burden tore off and ceiling running around here practically naked and the Holy Spirit living in you and everybody looking on you and lusting you after you trying to show the world how sexy you are instead of how godly you are said let the women be dressed in modest apparel and showing forth godliness I saw an old fat woman today robbing down the street weighed about 300 pounds Oh dear, of course, veins in her legs and had a pair of short shorts on. Looked like somebody dragging a meal sack down the street with door mobs in it. <laughs> she don't know how nasty she looks with some clothes on. <laughs> I said, little fella, you said, what about the men? There ain't no men. It's Fierce uh, panty boys, feminine panty boys wearing the, the little old shorts and going around and look like part of host holy niggas turned bottom side up and grass going on the hammers. Unless <laughs> the whole spirit to live in a place like that, he's embarrassed. It hurts his feelings. God bless you if he's good enough to live in you, give him a decent place to live. That's what I'm saying. Consider him. Don't grieve him. Don't hurt his feelings about it. He thinks enough to live in. Let's give him a decent place to live. And so forth. Godliness. And a lot of folks running around naked like that say, Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't ever bless me. And doesn't ever fill me up. Did you ever stop to realize he's ashamed to fill you up? Because if you got full, you'd be pretty out acting for God, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be a kid to the things to say? He's not going to make you shout. He don't want people to see you. Yeah. <laughs> He's ashamed of you to dead. Yeah. Right. All right. And then, my friends, at the same time, he's got a lot of folks that's got a tongue tied in a little spirit and goes in. Flapping four times for another fat one. Did you hear about the picture? Do you like know what I think did? Flap, 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 flap. It's empty wagon beds or truck beds going down the street that empty with loose planking that the riders allowed us. When you go down the street, you load that truck bed or wagon bed down with some rock and it'll quit rattling. And folks will find out whether you've got anything in your wagon or not by the way you rattle when you go down the street. And these folks all the time are flapping their tongues. It's a sign they hadn't got anything in their wagons. And that's what's the matter with it. And I want you to know now the Holy Spirit is grieved with all these gossiping, backbiting folks. He just grieved about it. It hurts his feeling when it goes on. And you need to recognize it now. My friends, 
Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. And you ought to give him a decent place to live in. And you ought to respect him that much. And God help us to see it. And, and as a result of it, we've got a lot of folks running around criticizing and gossiping. We've got a lot of Christians getting all the gossip in the community. Came to be saved. And the Holy Ghost, how would you like to be the garbage can of the community and have all the garbage jump? Get in a can and all the garbage jump and the community dump down in on you. You say, I couldn't stand it. Well, you're letting the Holy Ghost stand. All the old gossip that comes through, they dump it in your ear and I'm going down on the Holy Ghost. You say, well, I don't want it. Then put a lid on your can and you won't have it. Tell the gossipers, go somewhere else to dump it. You're giving the Holy Spirit the hounds to live in and he don't want it dumped in your hounds. That it's got to be different with your hounds because the Holy Spirit is living in you. And I want you to know, my friends, we got to face that thing. And we know that, and we're not to use our tongues for any such stuff. And a lot of folks has got their feelings all wrapped up in not serving God. We got a lot of Baptists grieving the Holy Spirit with the way they acting with their feelings. They got their feelings right and they quit. They go, I'm not going to go back up there anymore. Hurt my feelings. Well, how many like their feelings? <laughs> they always give a lot of Baptists the job of babysitting. Yeah. Hurt right. feelings. There's three things about babysitting. It's awful. Long you set with it, the more tasks you get to it. And it's awful confining. And it's awful poor pay. The longer you set with those hurt feelings, the more you feel justified. And it confines you. Can't, I'm not going to go back up there anymore and hurt my feelings. They're not hurting me. I'll take you home and rock you. I'll not have you back up there. Would you hurt me more? And you sit home with the feelings for 15 years. And when you get to heaven and start up the golden stairs, God will say, jump that mess. You'll make them breaking it with you. And you did all that babysitting for nothing. <laughs> if you think you're going to get in with all that hurt feelings in your brains, you're going to be kissing that bats in your belfry. You're not going to do it. Not at all. Not at all. Then my friends, you said, we grieve the Holy Spirit, don't grieve him, and don't ruin him by quenching him. How do we quench the Holy Spirit? He said in verse, First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, my people, don't quench the Holy Spirit. How do we quench him? By choking him. Does it hurt you get choked? You can say something. <laughs> Hurts you get choked? You will choke the Holy Spirit a lot of times. Holy Spirit said, talk to that boy about his soul. Talk to 
talk to that woman about soap. And you don't talk. Oh, that said, witness for me right here to these people. It, it hurts him to get choked off. A lot of times the Holy Ghost wants you to talk to somebody and you choke him off. That's quenching him. It hurts him to get choked. And my friends, so many times God's trying to get you to speak to people and you choke him off. And I want you to know, my friends, when you're doing that, you're hurting, hurting him. And then a lot of times the Holy Spirit tells us to pray for certain folks and certain things. We're busy. Here we mean out and we're mowing the lawn. The Holy Ghost comes on and said, Stop right here and pray. Pray for so and so. Pray for this man and this woman. Pray for the church. Pray for this. You look, I just got one more around. I'll move that right quick. Hush it up. Push some more in the shed. Then we pray. My prayer's going to get to my upper lip. I feel something wrong. No, centers don't hold up. Holy Ghost is telling me God's ready to pray right there. Here's a lady God moves on burdens to pray and said pray right now for this person. Pray right now. And they just look, they just got one more cup and saucer to wash. Think I wash that right quick and then I'll go pray. And they wash that cup and saucer and put it up and pour out the dishwater and then I'll go pray. And when we get there, they can't pray. Well, no, well, nothing about it. You just turn off central. God is ready right there. When God moves on you, wherever you have to pray, He means the Holy Spirit said, God's on the line, talk to the Father. He wants you to talk now. He hasn't got time to just get everything done. God's got a lot of folks to talk to. Central's on. God's on the line, stop and talk to God. And know that the Holy Spirit has got God on the line. Let him get you and talk to God the Father. And we quench it all. We choke him. And he doesn't feel like getting him the next time for us. Oh, how many times have you choked the Holy Spirit off in intercessory prayer? God wants you to pray, and you didn't want to pray till later. And then you prayed, and it didn't do any good. You quenched him. And you didn't get anywhere with that kind of prayer. My friends, it's because you quenched the Holy Spirit, and he didn't even feel like working on you again. We free pray when he tells us to pray. And my friends, that's the greatest privilege a Christian has. Listen to this preacher. The greatest experience I have with God is when the Holy Spirit moves on me and said, pray right now. Pardon me. But a lot of time, two and three o'clock in the morning, Holy Spirit of God shakes me in the bed and wake up and said, get out of here and pray for Steve Bennett. Get out on that log. Holy Ghost said, now you got him. Speak to him! Speak to him! Speak to him! Brother said, no, he'll swear you planned that to get him here where he can't get loose. Wait till you get the log into him and talk to him. Give him a chance to get away. And I said, well, 
that it's right. He couldn't turn the loose loose right now if I don't talk to him. The minute the logs in two, I'll talk to him. But just about the time the last strip and the log fell off, the man rolled out of the truck and said, Jeff, I need you real quick. Jump in the truck. Something's happened. I need you real quick. He ran out of the water. Jumped in the truck and the waiting man had to baptize him. Three months passed. Three o'clock in the morning, the phone rang. Said, this is the funeral home. Just so and so is dead. The family wants to know if you preach his funeral. I was so stunned I couldn't hardly answer. Finally, they got an answer, yes, I didn't. And when I got there, that wife fell in one arm, the older son fell in the other arm, the younger son did his face between my shield and shoulder blades, and we all three cried out, Preacher, why didn't you win him? He loved you. Why didn't you win? Why didn't you win him? He loved you. That just tore me off the pieces, but what's going to hurt worse when God said, Depart from the head, Jeff. And he looks over, and God said, Why didn't you win him that day, Pussy? Why didn't you tell him what I told you to? And then his blood comes just stripping off my hands. I don't mean you've got to call everybody you come to. God don't require that of you. But you listen to this preacher tonight. If the Holy Ghost of God tells you to speak to somebody and you don't do it, bad blood's on your hands if you go and go to hell without speaking to them. Read it in Ezekiel. He tells you, if you want them not, I'll require that blood at your hand. If you want them, you've delivered your hand. But listen, we don't have to call everybody, but you let it tell them on the authority of God's word. If God lays on your heart somebody to speak to, and you don't speak to them, and they go to hell, their blood's on your hands. Bloody hands, bloody hands, bloody hands, because you didn't speak to them. Holy Ghost told you to, and you choked him on. You quenched him. Oh, then we teach the Holy Ghost a lot of times when we wanted us to praise him. When we wanted us to praise him. God wants us to praise him. He said, when the world persecutes you, rejoice in the Lord. And we go in. Now, friends, let me read you some scripture there real quick. Not only well, have we quenched him, my friends, by not praying when he told us to, not witness when he told him to, but listen. Blessed are you when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from that company, reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the name of man's sake. Rejoice you in that day and lead for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner did they their fathers unto the prophets. And then listen to this. Also, that is in the 6th chapter of Luke. Now listen to that in the 10th chapter. Notwithstanding this, should rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And that out Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast since these things 
from the wise and prudent reveal them unto the babes even so father for so it seemed good in thy sight and then one other scripture I want to read to you there now friend I want you to know that God expects us to praise him you let me read to you by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name but to do good and to communicate forget not for with such sacrifice God is well pleased we refuse to praise God shout the victory for God how many times has God told you to raise your hands and praise him how many times have God wants you to cry for his glory? You, you dried it up. How many times has God made on you and said, I want you to praise the Lord? And you choked him up. My friends, listen to me. God wants us to praise him at times. Oh, to quench him. I... Give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. I was in the state of South Carolina in the big church, First Baptist Church of Inman, South Carolina. And one night the leaders of our denomination agencies was all there for a special day. I was in a revival meeting and I had rebelled on God about something. And God had withdrawn his power off of me. And I was like a dead man at the preacher's preaching right here tonight. For 45 days and there was no spirit about me. I'd preach and folks wouldn't get saved. I didn't have no power. I was miserable. And I'd have everybody I could think of pray for me and I'd promise God I'd do anything he told me to do. If he let me have the power back in my life. I'd been all, uh, I'd been awful shaped. I drove out there. I had a meeting out at the First Baptist Church in Coolidge, Arizona. And I got out there to the First Baptist Church. I got out there, all the members had the tuberculosis in the passage this way. And I said, oh, I'll take that while I'm out here. I said, I'll the will of God. And I got scared and tried to come back and like to die. And I had the awfulest time. And I got better and better. And I prayed and had everybody up there. And I said, God, I'll do anything anytime, anywhere. And I was there in that meeting. Folks would come down there. Nobody get saved. Nobody would be in a stirred emotion. And I'd pray out late on the face out in the field. All that afternoon. God, anytime, anywhere, I'll do anything. you give me the power in my life back. Not, not all the dignitaries is in there. And that first Baptist church is well to do. People I knew all of them. Never seen anybody shout, much less even cry. God sit on his and shout. Instead of picture. I said, Oh Lord. We need please, Lord. Uh, think about the pastor. He's a doctor, doctor's grieving seminary. He's famous. Uh, the leaders of the agencies are all here. My boss man's here. And, oh Lord. Don't you understand? There's some pine trees down the road about a mile. I'll go out and shout all on in. The Lord said, Didn't you tell me anything anytime, anywhere? I said, I did. He said, Get up and get out of there. I'll leave you. 
Christ said to be upon him saying amazing grace. And I let God have it. Sometimes we would sit a shout around 39 minutes. I don't know how long I shouted, but I know one thing, 116 got saved while I was shouting. Our God came. God shook him off. He wants freedom. He wants freedom. I then one day in night in Tennessee, I was to speak on a special night for the training union district. And churches from all over the district, several associations come together. I was a featured speaker. They'd advertise me to use me to get people out of here. They had a great crowd. Now I went in, everybody shaking hands with me. Hello, how do you, how do you, how do you, brother? How you, brother? And this old boy that I've been working on for 16 years, trying to get him saved. He'd come here and he'd preach and cry, but he wouldn't get saved. I'd break red my pillow in the night, trying to get him saved. I'd cry myself to sleep. He wouldn't get saved. I'd preach whole sermon. It didn't break him. I come down the aisle that night and they started singing and I sat down, quit shaking hands. When they stood to sing, I looked around, he's sitting right back at me. I said, well, all the time I ought to shake hands I turned around and squeezed his hand. I said, I'm glad to see you, Rufus. They raised his hand. And he came in shaking all over, crying. And the Lord said, if you get up and shout, I'll save him. I said, no, I didn't come to shout. I come to be the featured speaker tonight. Oh, Lord, don't you understand and I sat there and argued, and I said, it'll embarrass, it'll, it'll erupt the service, it'll scare everybody to death, and yeah, I know you understand, Lord, and I, and I just kept arguing, the program got in the way, then finally it come to my time to speak, and the uh, master of sermons got up and introduced me and said a lot of nice things about me, said, he'll now preach to us. I got up and tried to preach and made the biggest mess I ever made in my life. I sat down. I said, I can't do it. And he got up and said, Brother Ray, just building all these churches. Back that time, I was building churches for the home mission board. And he said, he just wore out. He just can't preach. said, he can be glad all of you know that. And I sat down. And while he's singing the last song, I bowed my head as shame. And the Lord let me hear a rake down the road, and I heard a crashing of cars, and I seen that boy crushed in it, and blood running out of his ears and nose and mouth. And I knew he'd gone to hell. And I said, Oh no, God, not him, let me be the one. Lord, forgive me, I'm sorry I didn't do what you told me to do. Lord, I'll do anything, I'll do anything, I'll do anything if you'll save him and not let him get killed tonight. He said, since he didn't do the other, will you kick off his shoes and shout out of here and got out in the middle of the road, 64 highway, the main drag between Memphis and, and Chattanooga. Get out there in the highway and shout. I said, yeah, and the devil said them cars run over. It's about one over two seconds. I said, God, I done said I'd die with God, that boy. Yes, God, I'll go out there. But that time, he didn't go out there in the pew. He jumped the pew and ran on me and said, Percy, I'm saved. I said, let me loose. I kicked out of my shoes. <laughs> I went to the highway. 
And I got down in the middle of it and shouted barefoot and the cars went to the cotton patch and the corn patch and I didn't do it. That boy became a deacon in the church. Why? God honored it. Listen, don't choke him off. Praise him. Don't choke him off. Pray when he says pray. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. It hurts you to get lie. Say, find out a nice ride to the Holy Spirit and he killed them. And don't resist the Holy Spirit. He'll leave you and not come back. And don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That's never forgiven in this world or the world to come. He is important in the setup of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Don't mistreat Him. If you've been mistreating the Holy Spirit, stop it. Ask God to forgive you and yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and let Him use you.